me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, I hear it. Is that it? Oh, yeah. Sweet music. That's it. Courtesy of Will McGuire. Cheers, Brad. Hey! I was there. Were you, were you there? Cheers, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Did you whisper? I am the whisper. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Nebraska Beer 30. Woo. It's me, Grady McGuire. And I'm joined here with my good buddy, quantum physicist. That sounds so cool to say, it Mr. Does. Brad Nordell. Just rolls off the tongue. Rolls off the tongue. That's quantum why I chose it. Physicist. I asked myself, what will get me the most money and uh-huh. fame and women? And you said and cats. Quantum physicist. <laughs> <laughs> now you have all those things. Yep. All those things. Yep. You should see Brad's house. It's full of women and cats and money. Bags and bags of money. It's mostly just cats. <laughs> cats and loneliness cats and loneliness <laughs> you know brad you're a quantum physicist which means you're a qp but to me you're a qt oh that was so cheesy yeah i dude. loved it hey, total dad joke if you're watching this on youtube or checking us out on a podcast app hit that subscribe button it means a lot to us i feel like i say the same line every time could be Maybe it's Vince the same episode every time. Maybe this is. Maybe we've never stopped. Or if the many worlds interpretation is correct, you have said this episode an infinite amount of times in an infinite amount of parallel universes. Explain. Well, or is that it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's just uh-huh. one of the interpretations of quantum mechanics. Ooh, is that every time you take a measurement or you interact with something, it splits into another timeline. Oh. And so there's just infinite amount of splitting. And so that Interesting. way... So there's this thing in quantum mechanics <gasps> called the wave function. Are we about to talk about... We're about to talk about interstellar oh, yeah. again, aren't we? Uh-oh. Well, no, no. I don't think interstellar had anything to do with, like, parallel universes. Oh. Because I was... The way I interpreted, the, like, the last scene of interstellar, where he's going up and down, and he's, like, moving through... So he's moving through a tesseract, which had yes. all like the pieces of time in a three-dimensional space. Oh, this is so cool. Right? I love hearing you talk. And so he was able to see like all the different events that happened in uh-huh. his time at once. A tesseract. Yeah. A tesseract like, is just like a... Like from the Avengers? Like a cube. Yeah. It's just a cube moving in time. The cube. But I think it was the explanation was that the end scene was a tesseract. Hmm. But... Interesting. Okay, we should probably not talk about Interstellar because yeah. the people are going to assume that like we're just like Interstellar fanatics. Yeah, that's all we talk about on this show. When Brad's on the show, that's all we talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brad, by the way, cheers. You are the first recurring guest on Nebraska Beer 30. Number one. Number one. Number one. You had quite a few views on the first one, too. You did a good job. Did I break 100? I think so. I believe so. That's all that matters. Well, if... You've done the show once, you've broken 100 a million times, an infinite amount of times. Oh, yeah. See how I spun that around right nice. back at you? Speaking of the first podcast we did, Brad, um, I got a little hell from another podcast here in town three beers later. Uh-oh. Because 
we were talking about time travel, and at one point yeah. during the podcast, you had mentioned that it would be easier to go forward in time as opposed to going back in time. Now, during the during their podcast, they were giving me a bunch of hell. They were like, what the hell, Grady? How come you didn't have him elaborate on that? So, can you elaborate on that, Brad, for our three beers later? Well, it's kind of like you're in a kayak in oh, the river, right? Mm-hmm. And the stream is moving one way. It's a lot easier to move with the stream. Mm-hmm. Well, time is always moving into the future. You're always mm-hmm. proceeding into the future. Makes sense. And so if you just go a little bit faster, you can have time dilation and slowly get farther and farther into the future. It's kind of like if I were to take a spaceship and go out to Event Horizon and then I dock at near that uh, or go to a black hole and dock near the Event Horizon uh-huh. and just orbit it for a while, I'd be actually going near the speed of light. And so you would age normally for your reference frame, but then relative to the reference frame back on Earth, Earth would go far into the future, and then by the time you left and came back to Earth, you'd be in the future. So you you would stay the same age. Yeah, your 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 okay. clock because you're you're going the speed of light yep. would dilate and slow down. Gotcha. Right. While everything else was going at normal speed, relative to their speed of light because they're going slow. Okay. But you're going really fast. Whereas to go into the past. I would need a ton of energy to create like a wormhole and I need to stabilize the wormhole and hopefully that the wormhole would create some type of, we call it a geodesic, but some type of curvature back into the past and then uh-huh. I'd have to go travel through it without the wormhole collapsing and then and then you get into the past and now you have a ton of paradoxes you have to deal with. You've heard the grandfather paradox, right? Which mm. was kind of what they dealt with in Back to the Future. Grandfather paradox? So if I went never back take, in the past... Never take candy from old men? <laughs> is that what it is? It could be delicious, or you <laughs> could find yourself in a wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> no, if you went back in time and killed your grandfather before he could meet your grandmother, then mm. would you exist? Mm. And then if that happened, then he would have never met your grandmother to create your dad, to find, to meet your mom, to create you. So then, therefore, if you never existed, you would never have been able to go back into the past to stop that. So what you get the paradox. I see. Yeah. But that's that's assuming that there's only one universe. One way to break the paradox is to say, oh, maybe there's an infinite amount of parallel universes. And so you just go back into one in which if you went back in time, you would just Uh create a consistent history and you'd fill in that blank spot. You were meant to go into the past to kill your grandfather or whatever in that history. Whoa. Which would, you'd have no paradox. That could be. But the idea is it just takes a lot of energy and uh-huh. It's a lot of near, effort. near impossible to go time travel to the past. It's a lot easier to go into the future because we're already time traveling into the future. I think people these days are too lazy to time travel too. They just want to sit on a couch and watch Netflix. Netflix and chill. Don't time travel. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's only. I'm assuming there's only been two time travelers, maybe three. Ooh, and who would they, do you know who they are? Stephen <gasps> Hawking. And oh, let's say it at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. Nikolai Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> Nikolai, no, okay, Tesla. Tesla. He's a time traveler? Has to be. Now, why don't they mention that they're time travelers? Because it would freak people out? Yeah, maybe he just got bored with the time he was in, so now he's way into the far future. Like if Neil deGrasse Tyson was like, I am a time traveler, <laughs> I would totally believe him. A lot of people would. Yeah. You wouldn't even need evidence. He'd just be like, well, in the year 2500... Yeah. X will happen. And people are this like, well, happen. we'll wait. Okay. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have some patience. Yep. And that's how dogs 
Beca- that's how wolves became dogs. <laughs> that's my only line I can do. That's in the cosmos. Neil deGrasse. Cosmos. Yeah. Dogs were once wolves. <laughs> <laughs> that's my Neil deGrasse Tyson, everybody. Yeah. Um, Brad, I, I wanted to have you back on the podcast for a specific reason. Yeah, I got your I got your letter. The you owl showed up and sent it. I sent that I at Hogwarts. I sent that message from the future. Oh, I knew it. Yep. I had a f- our uh, during our last podcast, Brad was here uh, behind the scenes, hanging out with us, um, with Sam Riggins and myself and Vince. Um, and before the show started, Brad and I started talking about a recent Joe Rogan experience um, episode <clears throat> with a Mister Bob Lazar. Um, and Bob Lazar is a man who claims that he worked on alien spacecraft. He claims that he back-engineered or tried to back-engineer alien spacecraft um, in an area called S4, which is technically in Area 51. Ooh. Brad, before I forget, this is a beer podcast. Let's talk about this beer we're drinking real quick. Let's do it. We are drinking... Um, a beer from Weld Works from Greeley, Colorado. Um, this beer is brought to you courtesy of Mr. James Renegade Musman. Um, I met James through Twitter, and we met up. I had never met him in person before. Um, and usually when you meet someone online and meet up, it doesn't go too well. But he was <laughs> who he claimed he was, and he brought me some delicious beer, and I sent him back with some uh, some local Lincoln beer. Nice. Sent him with some code beer. But... Um, this beer is called Auto Tune. It's actually a collaboration. Um, it's an hazy. It's a hazy IPA. It is awesome. It is extremely juicy. This might be one of the best hazies I've ever had. Um, good. Sorry to jump around topics, Brad. Back to Bob Lazar. So Bob claims that he worked um, on in Area Fifty One at that S Four facility. What do you think S4 actually is, Brad, being a physicist and being um, akin to how our government works, Mr. Classified Clearance? Brad once had a government clearance. You can't say that. Classified clearance. <laughs> Brad's a really smart guy. <laughs> Brad's a really smart guy. Yeah, there's... What do you think? Is there an Area 51? 51? Yes, it exists. Okay. Uh, what do you think we're doing in there? Because everyone... <laughs> Doing it. <laughs> that's, that's a dumb question. Uh, what you, what, what's why going people, on? Why do people listen to, listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> what do uh, you think we're doing? In I oh man, I don't know. Disco parties, disco parties. Yeah. Well, everyone claims that <laughs> <laughs> everyone claims they see flying things out there. Yeah, they do. Um, a lot of people. I I think it's just a government test facility. Yeah, I'm. Think? I, I think yeah. Yeah. There's research we, the government doesn't want other people to know about, <laughs> especially when it's new type of cloaking devices and new, <laughs> new crafts. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I don't know why I just I can't stop laughing. Um, but yeah, an unidentified oh, flying man. object could be could be completely terrestrial. I mean, it could be something yeah. that we just you know a new type of technology that we don't want you know our competitors. Yeah. Our enemies or whatever to know about. Civilians. Yeah, civilians don't know what it is, so it's unidentified. Yeah. And then when they see something new, they're like, oh, that's got to be a UFO. I uh, know it. But to quote Carl Sagan, you know, extraordinary claims requires extraordinary evidence. 
Yes, exactly. Not just, oh, yeah. So I went, so uh, these people invited me to work on this project and not Area 51. No, no, let's be correct about this. It's called S4. Mm-hmm. It's a substation in Area 51. You know, it's like, I'm going to uh, be really detailed about that part, but then less detailed about other parts. About the actual yeah. machine he's working yeah. on, which we'll get into. So he, um, Bob Lazar claims that he worked at uh, Los Alamos Labs in New Mexico and that he's a physicist. Um, well, I should mention, so his first claim to fame was he put a jet engine in his Honda or something like that in his car. I think that was, yeah. And that was kind of his claim to fame. Um, there are no records of him being a, a physicist or um, I think that's his title, physicist. Well, and, and it kind of works out that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, yeah, I, watch, I listened to the episode too. It, mm-hmm. it, it does work out pretty well that, you know, there are no records because, well, I was working on this classified ob- uh, this project and then when I left, they erased all my records. Well, yeah. that's really nice, man. Ooh, yeah. So you never... So there's no records of him at MIT, uh-huh. and there's no records of him at Los Alamos. Uh-huh. And somehow, just because he put a jet engine in his car, and then Edward Teller read the newspaper and then gave him a recommendation, all of a sudden he's got what would be considered one of the craziest jobs of all time. But not just craziest, most important job based most on the device he talked about. Studying an alien spacecraft. And it's not... Yeah, I mean, this... Yeah. So the biggest trouble with this is that it's hard to prove disprove a negative, and so uh-huh. it, it is. Could he have worked at this place and worked on all this alien technology? And sure, I guess. And the government uh-huh. like took away all of his information, and yeah, the, he took somebody's job who mysteriously was killed. You know, it's like all these fantastical nice things, right? Yeah, and yeah. It, it 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 ends up being a great story. Mm-hmm. And people like it, and you know they, and they've made claims that well, some of the things he's talked about, he predicted, right? Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a second. So he claims that um, he predicted in element one fifteen. Yeah, I mean, I would say Mendelov in the periodic table predicted that. I yeah. mean, so yeah, I could easily say. Well, who, by there, the way, who was Mendelov? Just a, oh, he's the one who uh, started the table. Yeah, started putting okay. together the periodic table. Okay, thank you. But continue. Um, so I could say, okay, I'm gonna. There's gonna be an element 119. I think uh-huh. we're up to 118, and so let's call it Nordovium. Okay. So I've already predicted it. So you just wait. You heard a couple it of years. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. And that's kind of. It's like, well, I got the spacecraft, and it's made of some element that's not on the periodic table, and so. I don't remember the name he gave it, but later on in 2003, uh, Russians synthesized it in a lab. Uh-huh. They just took two other elements that kind of bombarded them, and they created Moscovium, which lasted, I think, a couple milliseconds. So it's unstable, yeah. and and then it... Well. Huh. I'm, I'm trying to look up the... Could you look that up, Vince? It's Element 115. Vince has a cat in his lap. Yeah, I don't remember what... I can't, he, I can't remember I don't the remember name what of he it. called I just it, listened it, to it. But it, we, we define it as Moscovium. Moscovium. Yeah. Okay. Moscovium. And it sounds very Russian. And what he said is that there the alien spacecraft used a stable form of this. And I think he claimed it came from what was that star system? Zeta reticuli? Reticuli? Reticuli or whatever? Reticuli? Yeah. Zeta reticuli. three. He said Which is like he said the alien spacecraft came from the third planet of the yeah, Zeta Reticuli. Right. Which you know, is, is, not is, to bum anybody out, that was 
actually used in the Alien movie in 1979. So, oh, really? So that was, and this, I think he's claiming when he worked at Heroes 88, 89. So that uh-huh. was 10 years before. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense why he would, or the government or whatever, would use that star system. Yeah. But I think it was, I, I might have, you might have to check on me, but check on this, but it, I think it was like 15, 20 light years away. Yeah. Somewhere around there. So how long would it take us to get light years? To it? So if you were traveling the speed of light, it would take 20 years. Yeah. But we can't travel Holy the speed of light. Cow. So it would take a while to get there. A long time. Say but, I'm driving 15 miles an hour. Uh, and I want to get to ZR3. Yeah. <laughs> that would take you a long time. Uh, yeah. How old would I be? You'd be pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> Very old. <laughs> I'm trying to make Brad do calculations on the spot. But I'd be, uh, I'd be dead, wouldn't I? I'd be so yeah, dead. Yeah, you'd be, <laughs> be, you'd so be toast. Dead. My dead body would show up. And... What a, I think one of the claims he made was that because um, it had like a it was a binary star system meaning it had two stars uh-huh. or the planet was orbiting. But I think he claimed that his claim was that the Moscovium mm-hmm. came from one of those stars, which is actually incorrect because stars they when stars work they fuse together hydrogen and helium uh-huh. right and they make lighter elements those heavier elements mm-hmm. especially above like carbon and and stuff like that, those are created in supernova explosions. Mm-hmm. And so if there was a stable form of Moscovium, mm-hmm. uh, we may have, may be able to, we would have been able to discover it on our planet because a supernova would have exploded. And I, th- I believe most supernovas, they can explode outwards and travel over 30 light years or something like that. I, I'd have to check. Huh. But we'd most likely find a little bit of those elements if it was actually created in a supernova. Is which, it? Is it possible to have a habitable planet with two stars in your solar system? Sure. Is that a thing? Yeah, I think, yeah. Hmm. Fun fact of the day, everybody. In case you were wondering. Oh, it, meaning a planet that has water and similar to ours, right? It has yeah. an atmosphere and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You it would probably be at a different distance than Earth, but yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's, I'm not, as, I'm not a, an astronomer, uh-huh. We're a cosmologist, so you'd have to you'd have to ask the astrophysicist and they'd be able to answer that. So that's uh, something we could probably put on Twitter. Okay. We get a response. We'll throw that question out there. If, I'm gonna, if there's an astrophysicist watching this or yeah. listening to this, please hit us up on Twitter. Yeah. I'm going to say yes, yes, it's possible to have a planet that maybe has similar properties to Earth in a mm-hmm. binary system, but I, I don't know for sure. You're the smartest guy I've ever met, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna go with what you say, Brad. Uh, see, um, you got to... Uh-huh. No, you always have to have to look up what people say, right? You can't exactly. just take, yeah. Yeah. Even someone with, I don't have four PhDs, but if someone had four PhDs, even, you know, check check the facts. Um, and that's one thing where it's like with Bob Lazar is that mm-hmm. he, when he, he's on these podcasts and these documentaries, it, it, it sounds all like he knows what he's talking about. But yeah. if you, you, you know, fact checked, always fact checked. You dig check. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it almost seems like like Joe Joe Rogan because I've listened to a few podcasts after Bob Lazar's podcast, and he totally he totally believes him because he, he yeah. says he says I I had no reason to not believe him the way he was speaking like the way he was throwing out facts you know but maybe he was duped. Well, no, he was you know how he was talking about that reactor that's like in the space. Yeah, crowd? let's get into that reactor I think, a little bit. I think I I want to make sure, but. I believe he said that it's the size of a basketball, mm-hmm. right? And so if you took Muscovium, which is, you know, element 118, and it's really dense, I think uh-huh. the density, it, it's about twice the density of iron. But okay. 
If you were to, I think it's about, it would be about 250 pounds to lift that thing up. It would be really? pretty darn heavy. Yeah. Jeez. But then he throws in some antimatter in there because it always sounds nice. You got to throw antimatter in. Have to. Yeah. It sounds real nice. And so, they measured out gravity waves or something. I, I don't know. It's Yeah. He, he had mentioned that this thing was emitting gravity waves. Yeah. And that if you tried to touch it, you couldn't touch it. It was like you were putting two of the, it's like you were trying to take. Two of the same ends of a magnet and push them together. Like yeah, yeah. You never it's creating like you a never force field them. or whatever. Yeah, that's what he. What what uh, is that possible for humans to create? Can humans create? I, I know an, an alien could probably create a gravitational field, right? I mean, but how far are we? Masses humans? create gravitational fields. Okay, so a mass just distorts space time. It bends it, which it creates the effects of gravity. Okay, so how? But is we it, don't understand uh, gravity enough because. Mm-hmm. You know, in the physics, we have two big theories. We have gravity, which explains all the big things. And we have yep. quantum mechanics. So we have the the electromagnetic forces, which is all those magnets and electricity and magnetism and light and everything. And then you okay. have the strong force, which binds the nucleus together inside the atoms. And then you have the weak force, which deals with radioactive decay and stuff like that. So you have mm-hmm. all those those three quantum forces, and then you have gravity. But we can't put them together because uh-huh. the math doesn't work out. So when a lot of times we calculate like probabilities of something happening, but when we when we merge gravity and quantum mechanics together, mm-hmm. we get like weird infinities and that just means your math is nonsense. Huh. So we're working towards a theory of quantum gravity, but we haven't gotten there yet. So we until we get a true theory of quantum gravity, we won't actually know if hmm. does a graviton exist and can we manipulate it in a certain way? And a graviton is a so what we like, thought was a grav was a gravity particle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So like, see, I'm smart too. Every force has a particle associated with it. We call it uh-huh. a, we call it a boson. Right. You probably yeah. heard of the Higgs boson. Your big boson. Your big boson. Yeah. Right. And so the electromagnetic force, it's it the the particle that carries the forces when it interacts is mm-hmm. called you know the photon. Okay. And then the strong force is the gluon. Weak forces are these W and Z bosons, and then the gravitational huh. force would be that graviton, but it hasn't been uh, hasn't been measured yet measured. or observed. I see in a particle, and particle we, accelerator. And we have observed gravitational waves now, right? Yes, we have. That's awesome. Yep. How, and how, these waves are are very very tiny. Yeah. Right. And so, in order to observe it, we need these massive objects, like two supermassive black holes. I think we just observed another one. Uh-huh. So what they do is they they collide. And okay. then they merge and they eat each other. Yeah. Right. But when they do that, they cause Sounds ripples scary. in space time that uh-huh. eventually come and ripple outwards, and we can measure it here oh, on Earth. Interesting. But it's a very—I mean, it's re- this this measurement is very difficult, and so I would be very surprised if Bob Lazar was able to measure gravitational waves in yeah. 1989 uh-huh. of this tiny device that he was working on. I'd be very. I, Surprised he didn't he didn't let us in on his little secrets before that, um, and that's the that's so uh, that would be the, that's the other thing. It's like if so, this device, according mm-hmm. to Bob Lazar, broke the laws of physics. I was going to ask you right? about that. It said it. He said it. It did didn't not create heat, heat, right? Yeah. And so it, right there, it breaks the laws of thermodynamics. Okay, right. So energy is no longer conserved. Entropy is no longer always increasing, but can decrease, and so. At that point, there's no way I can, as there's no way a scientist can argue with them because it doesn't follow the laws of science. Which okay. somehow I guess these aliens figured out that they have new laws of physics to follow, even though the mm-hmm. laws of physics would technically be universal, meaning 
here on Earth, the laws would be the same as it would be in that star system. It should be. Right? should be. So breaking the laws of physics, it's, it, it works in his, in his favor because now he no longer needs to argue the science behind it. So he can, he can name out a few things and say, okay, well, I have this sphere made of element 115, and uh-huh. it's connected to this cyclotron. Well, that sounds like a fancy word, but it's... So cyclotron just makes a particle go in spirals, and okay. then when it does that, it can speed it up and speed it up and get more energy. But they're, they're really inefficient particle accelerators, so it'd be really funny if an alien civilization, which has somehow figured out this new element 115, yeah. and they figured out how to manipulate gravity, and then they just use some like really inefficient particle accelerator. <laughs> it's like the equivalent like, of them just putting a toaster right. in a it's super like, nice uh, engine. It's like maybe they maybe they were on a budget and they yeah. ran out and so they just yeah. went with a cyclotron. Yeah. Ah, let's just go with the cyclotron. That doesn't fit in the budget. <laughs> rats. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why they can oh, only man. make nine of them. I'm such an idiot. Yeah. And anyway. Why, <laughs> you know, there's... I mean, like I said, uh-huh. you know, there's a lot of people who really want to believe in this right yeah and i think that kind of i did just, when i first listened i mean it's it's fun to believe there's something out fun. there yeah. you know there's something more to mm-hmm. this world there's something more there's something magical mm-hmm. and for bob lazar you know they they make it very clear that he doesn't want any money which you know i don't think he's probably pro, you, you probably Excuse find me. he hasn't made much from this uh-huh. he's probably not motivated by that but you know what motivates the majority of people attention and and I'll even admit it motivates me is just feeling special. Mm-hmm. It's nice to feel special. Do you feel special now? I always feel special when I'm on the show. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but how, yeah, that, no, that's very true. How Everyone wants special, to feel special is it that, you know, you're this guy and you worked at Lo, Lo, Los Alamos, right? Mm-hmm. You put a jet engine in your car and that's, at that time, that was what you were known for. Pretty cool. All of a sudden, Edward Teller comes out of nowhere, sees that, gives mm-hmm. you a, gives you an A-OK, and all of a sudden, you know, a week later, you're in, Area 51, and you're working on the most secret project of all history. And not even that, mm-hmm. you're working on a device that could change the, the universe. A mm-hmm. device that doesn't, that breaks the laws of thermodynamics. Yeah. A device that manipulates gravity and doesn't expend any energy. This device could not only change Earth, but everything. Everything. And yeah. you were picked on this one. Mm-hmm. Of course, the guy before you, you know, he perished in some traumatic injury in the lab or whatever. Ooh. And then what was his lab partner? Uh, Barry. Barry. The worst name for a scientist. Oh, Barry. It should be like Heinrich. Heinrich that's a good. That's Barry. a good German scientist name. Yeah. Heinrich. You know what would be the worst part about having a jet engine in your car? Having to go through TSA every morning. Uh. <laughs> oh, Take off your shoes, uh. sir. Bob, take off your shoes. I mean, so... You know, take everything he says with a grain of salt, you know, fact check, ask around. And I'm not I'm not saying all this because oh, you're one of those anti-alien guys. Cuz just you based don't... based on probability, I mean, you know, we have billions and billions of stars out there, mm-hmm. and they all have planets, and so just based on that, it's probably a good probability that another planet's going to have life similar to ours. It might not uh-huh. look the same. It may not be carbon-based, but it could it could have life, and there could be an uh-huh. advanced civilization. Now, two advanced civilizations being alive at the same time is going to communicate. This up. Because mm-hmm. remember, we're limited on our communication, right? Mm-hmm. Because the speed of light limits us. It's a finite thing. Yep. And so we, we're, we're, so we have to, you know, we, we, we won't be able to break that 
and it's nice in Bob Lazar's case because everything he's talking about breaks the laws of physics. That that works out pretty well. But so you don't have to explain it. But if yeah. you know the laws of physics are universal, then yeah, we're kind of limited on that. And mm-hmm. so, and we know from our own experience that the more advanced a civilization gets, the more the higher likely they are of destroying themselves. Sadly, uh-huh. and so that's what we're learning along the way. Why would so let's yeah so if there were aliens why would these aliens come and leave nine spacecrafts for us I don't, I don't it's just if you, you feel like if they were that advanced they'd kind of clean up after themselves y- yeah <laughs> in yeah. a way you know what I mean right yeah um yeah this is I was when I first watched that episode or listened to the episode the Bob Lazar yeah I was kind of dumbfounded I thought this was so cool and then we had the conversation and thought oh wow no this guy's full of shit. After, after speaking with you. And that was one thing that blew my mind when I talked to you last week when you said having two advanced, advanced civilizations around at the same time. It got me thinking, in the amount of time the universe has been here and the short, short period of time that we've been here, what are the chances that something else is living out there in the time that we're living here? That blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Or they lived millions of years ago. Remember, we've only been around for a couple thousand years. We're, we're, we haven't been here a very long time. No, not at all. And a lot of events have, have happened in, you know, in the universe since before us, and they're going to happen way after us. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that I don't believe in aliens. It's just based on probability, I think, that they're, we're probably never going to be in communication with any of them. Do you think the government is good at keeping secrets? No. No, the government's <laughs> never been good at keeping secrets. And yeah. you really think they're keeping this secret? Uh-huh. I, I'm honestly under the impression that if aliens actually came here, it would completely disrupt everything we do in our society. Uh-huh. I think people just, I think it would just cause pure chaos. And you just say, well, that's a reason for keeping secrets. But uh-huh. I think having a device like the one Bob Lazar is talking about, I don't think mm-hmm. that's something you're, you won't be able to keep secret. And in fact, yeah. it is something in which if that device is still around and it creates those gravity waves, we should be measuring it at LIGO right now. He was able to measure it in 1989, mm-hmm. and that device is still in, you know, S4. Every time they turn it on or whatever, that should, we should be able to measure that. We'd be able to, hmm. but. Interesting. Vince, are you giving me the cutoff single? signal? <laughs> Sickle. You know, Brad, it's, uh, right now it is 842 on a Monday night. I'm normally in bed by now. That's probably why I'm so loopy. Yeah. Well, Brad, before we sign off here, that music means we're coming to a close. You know what that music I means. I know what that music means. I know it's a sad song. But we are drinking, or I'm drinking Sad Panda Stout, coffee stout, by the way. Nice. Um, I wanted to mention this. Um, we were too deep into discussing it, or discussing Bob Lazar. Um, this was also brought by our friend James Renegade, is what I call him. Um, guys, if you have any questions for Brad about Bob Lazar or just physics in general, find him on the tweeters. You can find him at Bradley Nordell. That's N-O-R-D-E-L-L. Bradley, just like it sounds. I or, say just tweet me on science. I don't really want to talk about Bob Lazar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just tweet him on physics. Yeah. On physics and science. Uh, Brad also started a brand new podcast called Science! Exclamation point with friends. So check that out. And he also just did a TED Talk. So that TED Talk video will be out shortly and we'll share yeah. it from, from our Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. Not sure when it's coming out, but... I'll let everyone know. But it's sure coming out. Yeah. Right on. Well, Brad, thanks for coming and sitting down with me and uh, hammering out this Bob Lazar stuff with me. Yeah. Cheers, dude. Cheers.
Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Lunch in the park, check. Hand sanitizer, check. Cancer screening, done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.